Hello and welcome to Cladding Matters, the podcast where we discuss building safety, legislation and solutions that focus on cladding remediation, while showcasing the intelligent FS culture of humility, wit and passion for continuous improvement that makes Britain's building safe and sustainable. One of the biggest challenges when designing a cladding remediation project is the provision of access to the building so that every inch of the exterior can be removed, remediated and replaced in a timely manner. However, when this is designed poorly, we know that the residents of those buildings can suffer unnecessarily. And one of my guests today has blogged and campaigned widely for better access solutions to address this. So it is my great pleasure to introduce our two guests to start what I expect will be a lively debate on the pros and cons of mask climbing versus scaffolding. Rob Munns, Head of Sales for BFT Mask Climbing, and our own Marcus McCarthy, the Operations Manager here at Intelligent FS. Can you introduce yourselves to tell us about your experience with regards to Access Solutions industry? Uh, morning, Richard. Yeah, thank you very much indeed for inviting me down here. Quite excited to be involved in a my first ever podcast. Having listened to quite a few podcasts, listen to the first couple you've done, and excited um, really with what you're trying to build and achieve with this. So yeah, really grateful to be involved. Um, personally, um, I've done just over twenty years now in business development uh, style roles. Last three years with BFT Mask Climbing. Um, and I think, you know, what I've learned really is be the ability to ask questions, sometimes daft ones, to really learn what goes on in any particular industry, to understand the why and or, the, you know, the, the why not. Um, so my first year at BFT Mask Climbing, uh, you know, I spent out in the marketplace speaking to, you know, contractors who do and don't use mask climbers to really kind of learn and understand that. So hopefully uh, that's um, some uh, some messages, et cetera, that I can share, uh, you know, with, with the audience uh, today, because uh, I think really that's that, that's what I'd like to get out of this is, is, is making sure that people have that that balanced approach to make sure they can uh, can consider everything. You know, we've we learned a lot by interviewing other residents as well ourselves. And I think that's where my passion point comes from to really kind of put that put that different viewpoint across as well. Fantastic. Marcus? Yeah, Marcus McCarthy, um, Intelligence FS Operations Manager. Um, I've been in the construction, roofing and cladding industry for near 40 years now, uh, probably doing big buildings, big projects, mainly using scaffolders access. The past 10, 10 years has been coming down to mainly due to limited space and access to um, cradles and mass climbers have come into it. Um, I'm a big lover of scaffold, gets the job done quicker. Uh, but there's the pros and cons to everything, so I'm looking forward to having a nice debate to sort that out. Perfect, thank you. <laughs> so, Rob, if you could start us off, um, I'm keen to hear the main differences and advantages as you see them for mass climbing solutions, um, for uh, obviously from our point of view for cladding remediation projects uh, on residential buildings. So again, I think that's a, uh, a key element of it. And Marcus, if you could then provide us with your uh, thoughts and, and benefits following that on uh, on scaffolding. Yeah, certainly. So I think, I think the first... Uh, point that I try and get across when you look at you know the differences it, it, it's almost kind of highlighting the fact that you, you've got two very different tools and I think it's the right tool for the right job so what I mean by that is you'll rarely get a site that's perfect for mask climbers that won't need any scaffolding at all public protection gantries those sort of things so scaffolding is there for all that public protection you know attributes and things and the straight vertical access that's where the mask climbers, you know, really will come in. Um, but in terms of the, that that benefit, the, the real kind of um, you know essence of it, I'd start with the residents. Um, as I said, we interviewed a lady who'd been behind uh, scaffold for over four hundred days. Um, remember the interview very clearly. Um, you know all the pressures on you know mortgage that side of things, or you know, at least all the problems that those residents uh, have with a building that needs remediation anyway. The fire safety issues. Um, to then have the issues that scaffolding caused her. So to start off with, she was actually behind a monoflex wrap as well. So the daylight um, reduction into her flat was inhumane is probably the only best description, particularly in the summer. Um, you know, when you're losing that sort of daylight, um, you know, it impacts the mental health um, quite considerably. She interrupted the interview twice to show me the, a worker just walking past scaffold outside her flat. And you know, inferred from there, you know that the, the privacy challenge. Um, you know, she didn't have any young kids, but she knows other people on her block that you know, kids just walking around in a flat, all those different things that they then you know that's one of the challenges that uh, the residents have. And then also you have got the lack of privacy. All of those things you know can be removed by using the mask climbers. 
um, which is, a, you know, we'll dig into a, a little, little bit more later um, in terms of then the speed, the efficiency and the cost, um, you know, implications. Because naturally you think, well, okay, if there's a huge benefit like that to the residents, surely it's going to cost more money when actually, you know, it isn't really you know, that um, the case. So that's probably my opening uh, kind of thoughts with regards to the main benefits, particularly for the kind of uh, industrial market that we're, that we're looking at here in occupied buildings. Okay. I fully agree with what you said. Um, at the same time, the scaffolding, when it's putting the scaffolding up, I wouldn't wrap the whole building, I would do it in sections. Um, I wouldn't use no wrap, I use a debris net, which allows some of the access in, access in uh, for the lights. Um, we have, um, Privacy film, which we can put on windows to stop all, all that. We do put signage up stating where we're working, what levels that we're on, because um, obviously not working on, on every level, on every building at the time. So we, we let everyone know. That, that's that's the way it, it's done. I understand it, it, it doesn't look nice. Um, I think it's a quicker system than having someone coming past and getting a flight. But I think you'd expect... If you have a scaffold, you've got more tendency to expect someone to walk past your window where it's when the mask cameras run up and down, it, it's a bit frightening. Um, we don't allow scaffolders to be on there until half eight in the morning, giving people a time to get changed, get dressed and get ready for work themselves. Um, yeah, that's where I am with the, with the scaffold. It's quicker. It, it's it's a quicker part. You can work on more elevations at one time. Um, for so for your prelims. You have less time on site, um, it takes longer to, to install, but it's less time to install the materials using that the monitor is off mass climate. That benefits us, it benefits uh, the client because the scaffold's down quicker than what there'd be no one on site, longer than what they think it'd be. The program's a lot easier to, uh, to do, and that's why I prefer to use scaffold. Um, but, I, but once again, it depends on the system um, and the site itself. And I think that's that's probably the best challenge here is the fact that, you know, when we look at a building, you know, over 85% of buildings we think are more than suitable for mask climbers. And there's a lot of myths out there what mask climbers can and can't do with the shapes, the extensions that we can put on, the solutions that we can provide, which again we'll jump into later. Um, and I think, yeah, there, there's many... Uh, um, there's, there's many cladding facade specialists you know such as yourselves and it's it's horses for courses i guess isn't it you know from from, from from that point of view um you know we see you know large um uh, i think um mark has alluded to the fact that you know it's far quicker to install obviously that's less disruption on site as well um and uh, you know there, there's other cost implications there so as you, as you can already see i think that's you know there's there's very you know it's there, there's a lot of good benefits for for for, for both um but I think one of the key things to get out there to, is quite often the best solution is both, quite literally yeah. both on your site. Um, and some elevations are more than suitable for mass climbing and some elevations are more than you know suitable for scaffold. And it's having that open-minded approach to then to, to, to kind of do that. Um, you know, the privacy stickers, glad to hear they're being used. I'm not sure every company has the same standards as, as, as you guys from that point of view, speaking to a lot of the residents out there that maybe that needs to become part of, you know, um, a, a job if it were to go scaffold to try and you know have those the, those on there because that's an, a massive you know important part but i guess you've also got security and safety that people can access and climb a scaffold at any particular point whereas they can't with a mask climber um and that's both ways that's residents out onto scaffolding as much as anyone you know a third party trying to gain access in so you know there's a couple of those other challenges there that, that, that you've got as well I agree with that one because we're doing the job which you're actually on at the at the moment, um, and as part of it, this one where it's got the deck and protrudes away from the building, so it's so hard to put mass climbers all the way down there, um, and the cost of it. I mean, mass climbers are cheaper than scaffold, but in this particular case, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of propping that needs to be done, and there's a lot of intermediate works. You can't just pull it out and bring it in again because it's too it's too bit too big. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where it works both. It's just a system where it's it's best to work like that. So yeah. that's where we both work together and go, yeah, it's a, it's agreed. And I think that's one of the things that we try and pride ourselves at at BFT is whilst we're you know the, the largest mass climbing supplier, when we get a project, we won't try and sell positions onto the scheme if it doesn't really lend itself to it. 
we want a customer to keep coming back to us over and over again and they're going to do that if we if they if they believe they've got that kind of approach a consultative approach of here is a solution does it work for your program as opposed to trying to force that of saying we're only going to do this building if you give us all six elevations it's getting that right so then that they can see you know both sides i think you understand as a company that um you know yourself it'd be best you just scaffold in that area and you would rightly tell me so um yeah, you would also uh, um, you would also advise me that if it's best to use mass climate in, in certain areas, which we will listen. Obviously. And I think Ben is probably good to just I get a tiny bit of history from BFT in there as well. And that's BFT actually stands for Boards, Fittings, Tubes. So they used to be a scaffolding firm. Uh, and it was by putting a, a load-bearing gantry around a tower block in Luton at the time, back 15, 16 years ago. Um, and then seeing a company come down and put mask climbers on it and the speed that then went up. That was the moment the BFT actually turned around and went, no, hang on, there's a, there's a new solution that needs a bet, you know, um, to, be, to be improved and, and made wider. And that's when they got into mask climbing, knowing the full well that you still need scaffolding for those supportive elements. So I think given the nature of what we're doing is pretty much driven by safety. Um, what, what, are, what are safety aspects of mask climbing versus scaffolding in your view? So two different perspectives when, when, when looking at safety. First and foremost, when you look at the trades, um, every single tradesperson on a mask climber is working at exactly the right height. So the stats from an HSE point of view and, uh, and things like that show significant reduction in musculoskeletal uh, issues. So whether it's the heavy duty brickwork down to just large panels that you don't then have to maneuver in, out, in and out of scaffold trusses, um, that the actual workers are, are, are in a safer working environment by doing that from, uh, for, from mask climbing. Um, staying with the trades and the benefits to to the trades, they also load all materials into the mask climber. Don't touch it again until they're physically then putting it onto the facade. So that reduction in the actual in the manhandling of the materials means there's less accidents. So again, you know that that that's that's another positive tick in in, in the box of the mask climbers. Um, I think when you look at the installation period and dismantles and things like that, um, you know, this is where Marcus could probably talk to a bit better than I, I, I can, but you've got a gang of about four, five, maybe six people on the scaffolding side of things versus a gang of two on the mask climbers. There's far less components and will unload from the high ab straight to the base of the elevation. So you won't have that gang of four or five walking around with the 12 foot boards, poles and all, all that side of things. So again, that disruption or, or, or pedestrian traffic, if you like, on the site is reduced slips bumps trips falls all those minor um you know accidents that happen on site again you've got a significant reduction on that and the last one i'll you know i'll leave you with when you look at the the the, the significant injuries falls from height is you know the, the biggest killer in in, um, in the construction industry from that perspective um and when you look at the stats you'll see you know european wide that mask climbers are by far the safest from that element yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I go a few. I understand with the materials, with the heavy loads, with the heavier loads, yes, but with the smaller loads, I don't think there's much of an issue. Um, the, I look at it, I'm looking at it uh, the other way. I'm looking at it protecting the public. I understand everything you say about the bending down, but the public with, with, this, with the scaffold, if you wrap a lot of them now, I wouldn't wrap a residential one. I would wrap it with uh, now a new build. That's easy enough done, it's a lot easier. But Debbie Nets on. But, but the mass climbers, because what we tend to be doing now, a lot of it, taking materials off. Mm -hmm. So once you take a, a panel off, whatever's behind, we don't know whether it's secure or not. It can blow away, it can go off the side of it. We've got to protect the public from underneath. Scaffold, we've got the debris nets, we'll stop that from going over. Um, that's the, the safety, everything else I agree with you with the mass climbers. Um, they are the, the, the proper way from height. Um, I understand that we've got to, some areas we've got to have hop ups on and then they've got to be risk assessed. Um, you've got lads bending down to pick it up. I, I understand that. Um, but I wouldn't do that with a heavy load. And this is where we go. We talk about again, it's the nature of the beast as such. So we, we need, um, you using big heavy materials, I wouldn't want to be using a scaffold. Mm -hmm. If it's lightweight, light materials, well then a scaffold would be my point of call. Um, the health and safety part of it, uh, protecting the public, I think the scaffold would be 
things falling off the building. And I think that's where the that combination of these two trades, right tool, right job, yeah, comes in. Exactly because yeah. there's so rarely that we'll do a tower block that there's there is only mask climbers on it. If you've got the you know the gable end where there's no doors, no bin stores, no fire exits, yeah, that could, that machine can be based out of ground and you know exclusion zone, you know, put put around it. But most of you know most blocks will have a door, an exit, something on pretty much every elevation. So the scaffold, the public gantry, the protection gantry, those elements are fundamental to, to, to doing it. So I think you know the only thing just to, to, to add there, again, just from you know hopefully an awareness and education point, um, is, is is to work with your mask climbing provider for those additional safety devices that that um, you know should be fitted to all machines um, with the manufacturer's um, you know approval. So. Um, We've worked with customers who are looking at removing render um, and uh, some other kind of insulation where they're worried that almost polystyrene-sized particles are then going to be out. So we can actually enclose the mask climbers nearly completely. I say nearly completely. Um, but that's with a two-meter high debris netting, and you can even put a roof on it. So actually now you then do have a, a, a nearly completely in, um, enclosed uh, platform on that area that you're working. Still isn't as effective as a scaffold when it comes to keeping those little bits in there, but for the volume that it does keep in and then the value and the other benefits that we're talking about today, it certainly puts itself in the consideration set for that type of job that perhaps a few years ago it wasn't because those adaptions weren't widely known. I think that'll help massively really. Um, having access, I do see with things, even if they've got stuff in the baskets themselves, if they do something, when the wind picks up, it blows over and it, it does. I know, yeah, we put debris nets in and every one of them now, so, so we stop everything from falling down, but it's going over the side and the wind. And I, but having that would be great. Yeah, and I think we've seen in the last 18 months that with the on a mask climber, the standard handrail is 1.1 metres, and that's where the debris netting then starts and yes. wraps under the machine. Um, I would say 80% of mask climbers now go out with a two-meter hand, uh, handrail, and that provides is the perception from the user because sometimes if it's the first time you've got onto a mask climber, you will be a little bit you know you might be a little bit nervous, but that two-meter debris netting literally makes you feel like you're on a lift of scaffold. So by definitions, you know you you are feeling you know um, far safer. So I think that hopefully from that perception issue because I think. Mask climbers have suffered from almost the cradle element of kind of it's, it's a suspended platform. They're kind of how safe do they perceive themselves to be? And what we challenge people is come down to a training center, get on a machine. And then once they realize how secure when it's attached into the building, that that's where they, you know, seeing is believing, right? Yeah. Well, we've had the same about one of our commercial lads go to site. Um, and he was terrified, terrified of the heights, didn't want to go on it, but he had no choice as part of his job and he got on it. And you come back down, he's quite happy. Mm -hmm. He's relieved a bit now, he's not, doesn't mind going on them again now. So it's, as you say, it's what you perceive. Uh, once you get on it, it is the safe to work on like that. They're not going not to fall down and nothing. They are good to work on. Talk us through a couple of the safety measures then. So, you know, we've got a mask climber on site. You know, what, what are the safety measures in place for? I don't know if something goes wrong electrically and is it going to plummet to the ground and you know what are all of the safety measures and stuff that are in place to, to prevent all of that yes yeah, so there's different manufacturers different makes and models of machines out on site so i can't speak to every single model oh, sure. um you know i can speak to um the fact that there's various different devices um so when the, when a mast climber is up the mast um and the, so you, you've, you've taken your finger off the the up button so it's now off the the pat there is no it's not drawing any power brakes are then physically locked on so if the power goes to site which is obviously that, that first kind of fear what happened well, it's staying in position. It's actually the opposite to what people think because it's not drawing any power. Brakes are then locked on. So there's a manual safety descent that you would then have to release to then gradually um, have that machine come down safely if there's a, a, a stop in power. And even the way this brake works, that even if you were to open that fully, the machine doesn't plummet. It physically cannot trans, um, travel down the, the mast faster than the designed safe speed. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, every one of our uh, machines has two motors. Uh, each one of those, um, you know, has a has one of the the uh, centrifugal brake uh, on a ratchet and pinion system. So there's a multiple brakes and um, attachments to the mast 
that ultimately mean that any um, severe you know, failures or anything like that, physically, that machine is not going anywhere. Yeah. Add on to that the daily and the weekly checks and the maintenance procedures that we do means that you should have absolute faith in the, in the machine quality that, like any other piece of plant on your sites, that this comes um, fully maintained um, and to a very high quality and standard to adhere and exceed all the safety um, you know, standards there. The other elements are more than safety devices on the actual platforms. So we developed a, a drop-down flap, for example, and that goes out from the handrail to rest alongside the facade. Um, it's got a rubber edge so it won't damage the facade. That means that nothing can fall between any gap between the mast climber and the facade. So, for example, I'm going into a tiny bit more detail, we'd set the machine up to be a minimum of 150 millimeters away from the finished facade. Right. So if you want us to set the machine out any further than that for any reason, this gap closure means that nothing can drop. Anything that drops comes back into the platform. So there's you know those kind of devices to make sure that safe working, um, you know, is is still maintained. Okay. Yeah, all lads on site are trained to use them as well. I mean, I know I'm a demonstrator as well, so I, I do go out there and I speak to the lads and make sure that they know what they're, they're doing. Um, and I've took one of our project managers I've took him and I've shown him so I've demonstrated to him so I've given him a card how it works so he's making sure that everyone knows what they're doing knows what the emergency procedures are because you can lower yourself down if you're stuck in the air safely um, there's no issues and all the lads are trained so it, it's, they all know but the, yeah. there's no risks it's, it's just if it was to break down and for some reason if it does break down you can lower yourself down in a safe, safe mm. manner there's no issue with that and that's, the, again, the biggest message that comes out here, training. You know, safety comes from having safe machines in the first place. So go to your mask coming supplier, examine how they're maintaining their equipment. Um, you know, by all means, obviously reach out to BFT and, and we'll, we'll demonstrate what we do to set that standard. Um, but training, I, I come across too many sites that when we ask, you know, how many operators, um, IPATH operator and demonstrators, that there just simply isn't sufficient for certainly what we as BFT would recommend that they, that they have on site. So I think that's a great point for Mark is that a, an operated site is, you know, is a safe site. It's people that are trained to know what goes on in the unlikely event that the machine then breaks down and you find that that then you know, keeps the project running far smoother. Fantastic. Okay, so when it comes to things like efficiency, speed of installation, we know the whole time is money adage. Um, what are the differences between obviously mass climbing, getting it up and functional versus uh, scaffolding, we, we, you know, where do we sit? Which ones do we think are probably more efficient and therefore potentially more uh, cost-effective? From my perspective, it probably won't surprise you to say that uh, I'll be on the mass climber side. <laughs> um, the evidence that we've got, it's actually changed in the last 12 to 15 months of the number that's on my sales presentation when I go out and speak to anything from major house builder and developers down to you know specialist sub, uh, subcontractors. Um, and we take a, a standard elevation, 40 meters high, 23 meters wide. Um, now our guys would in, install that machine in two days and have it ready to hand over in th on that third day. So your trade is getting to work on that day three. We can then set up the next position and so on and so forth. But the important thing there is you're starting to work already from thinking about your prelims and the actual costs of, of, of that on site. The scaffolding equivalent to that, I would um, I used to say 14 to 16 days. And two years ago, I got told, yeah, that might be being slightly unfair to the scaffolding world. Now I'm being told it's, if not double that, but very nearly double that. So 20 to 25 days for that same elevation. Now you multiply that round, if you take a beautifully square building, that's just four elevations, but there's very rarely a beautifully square building these days. So you can suddenly uh, multiply that um, by you know five, six, seven different elevations per block, per site. And I think that's where when you start looking at that installation period, that if you can, if you on your program can get your trades working earlier and quicker, and that's a huge advantage that the mask climber, um, you know, can can play into. I think mask climbers are a little bit cheaper as well. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was I was just going for one benefit at the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's the pros and cons again. Yeah. Um, once it, the scaffold is more expensive because obviously it takes more men longer to do, and it would take say five weeks to do a, a elevation, which would take you a few days a week to do. Well, I can say, um, but I can catch that back up again because off a mass climber you only got one gang, so yeah, it's the install of the install of the lifting equipment. And this uh, um, is very, very, it's quick, but then it, it slows it down by the install of the materials. With the, with the, the scaffold, you can work on many elevations. Uh, so when I've got seven elevations, I could possibly work on at least four of them at one time. Where in a mass climber, it's one. So I double my speed, treble my speed, and I can keep on going and putting more lads on. And that's right around the, uh, the building in one area. I can knock about four months off the program. But it's going to cost me. It's not comes not gonna come cheaper because the the cost of the scaffold is a lot more than what it is for the mass climber. So I'm gonna have to pay three, four times, even five times more to get this speed back. Mm -hmm. So it's what as a company what you want. You want to spend the money, get the job done a little bit quicker, and but the residents are gonna be a bit more. It's a bit more dangerous, not dangerous, but it's a bit more um, accepted that people can climb on it outside of work hours when we're not there. Um, that's the pros and cons of it. But I, I think the, the time scale, it does limit down. I think I can install quicker off a scaffold. It's going to take longer to install the scaffold, but quicker to install the materials. So I get that back double fold. Yeah. So, and I think what we try and do um, there is to really then look at, look at the programme. Like, like anything, mm -hmm there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way to wrap mask climbers around a building. The cheapest possible way to wrap mask climbers around a building is by using as minimal amount of mask climbers as possible. So what you then see is a longer twin machine because I've got less drive units down that particular ele um, elevation. Now we would then, you know, err against that because then that, as, uh, to Marcus's point, reduces your program down because it limits the amount of trade and the amount of safe working load that you can get on that you know 25 30 meter stretch of elevation so i think it is it's very much weighing up the cost weighing up the program i mean we can double stack the mask climbers so put one platform above the uh, another platform on the same set of masks to give multiple access to that facade we th really only suggest commercially you'll see the benefit from that you know 12 13 stories and above is where we think that commercial benefit comes in but again we're happy to work with you on you know by by, by looking at those um uh, individually but again it's then looking at you know do you have mo more single smaller platforms rather than the larger twins as a way of combating that um as you look at um doing that but i think we've We've heard, um, certainly out in industry, the almost a perceived risk with scaffolding, 100%. You can access any floor, any time, and from um, you need inspections, you need de there's lots of different things there, which is the reason why to a lot of people that that that's it's a comfort blanket that I think it offers. So I guess potentially slightly controversially here, um, I would say that. As more people change to mask climbers, as it becomes more popular and people actually understand more how to successfully program the elevations on the mask climbers, that's what we're seeing. You know the the significant growth from it is a different program mindset, and you are removing a small bit of the comfort blanket of being able to go back to anywhere at any given point. Um, with I guess shortages in labour and things like that, I. I tongue-in-cheek challenge people that tell me that you know they're going to have multiple trades on multiple levels all the time. As every time I've driven past a, 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 a sca you know a scaffolded construction site, I very rarely see more than two aluminous vests on an elevation. And in the locations they would be on, I'd absolutely be able to get them into the same places on a mass climber program. Yeah. So yeah, you know I, I think it's a, it's potentially a a mindset. Of, um, of that we're seeing change but it it goes back to also the i think the earlier point i said 85 percent of all projects are suitable by definition there's projects that are not suitable for mass climbers and an example of that would be where balconies um are not linear um so i appreciate this is a podcast and i'm waving my hands around um but if the balconies are spread um across the facade of the building we can't get the mast and therefore our deck extensions to work around them that, that that doesn't work. 
a building that steps in, you know, a level three, level five, and level seven, that's a scaffolding job. So you know, there, there's there's it's 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 horses for courses for yeah, that. I'm sitting there with the with the double ones, with the duplex. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue you have with that is that you're gonna have you could have possibly have four gangs on you. It's a double long one. Um, but if one gang's really quick and one gang's really slow, you can't move until that gang's done. So they've had three gangs waiting round until the last man's done, and that causes a bit of friction. I've done it with doubles when I've had two gangs on there. So there's two men working there, two men working on the left-hand side, two on the right. The one on the right is finished. I'm going to need to move up. No, I can't. I've got to do this. Mm. So that causes more conflict sure. as well. The inspections for the site manager. The site manager has got to wait for them to come down to go for lunch before the inspector. Um, or he's got to tell them to come down, stop work, and then he goes up and inspect the using the, the mass climbers where there's a scaffold he can go and inspect everywhere whenever he wants. Businesses can come and go and inspect his job. It makes it, it that loses time. Isn't isn't there value and 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 I don't know because I don't I don't really see it happening. But isn't there a value in kind of removing the scaffolding from the top down as you go? So you know if you're starting the work at the top and then when 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 you're done that that level you sort of take it down. So you're kind of reducing the scaffolding on the building as you're working down the building. I think you're adding risk of people working overhead as right, right, a right. starter for ten and you do. No matter how much you clean the scaffold, um, once them boards start getting lifted up, they'd be Debris underneath it, so no, um, you have to be moved completely. Yeah, yeah, and there must be a reason why not. Well, we have to be, have to be trying to be, uh, be trying plan it in sections, so we have a, a couple of grid lines or three grid lines where we can time there too. So that's independent, comes to independence, so we can finish on there and take that down once it's all done. We haven't got to wait for the whole job to be done before we take it down, we can do it in sections. And I think that's why, you know, what, what the most important part of using mass climbs on a job is early engagement to be able to plan. You know, so we have four different machine types, for example, different sizes, different jobs that they can then do. Um, and the earlier that engagement comes in, we can recommend, propose. You can go back, work with your team, come up with the, you know, actually, yeah, this is a great idea. No, thanks for the idea, but this doesn't work with the program. This doesn't achieve what I'm trying to achieve from this side of things. So yeah, you know, I think conversations and questioning it, because I think, you know, I, I come into the room here today, you know, thinking it's kind of, well, sometimes the question is, you know, why, why mass climbers? Sometimes it's why not? Yeah. And I think as you look at a program and then you look at a job, you've got to have that open mindset of kind of like, well, why and, and, and why not to work out what works, you know, best for you and your subcontractors. So I see walking around a lot of um, town centres and, and such like, there's a lot of commercial buildings and they're, they're, they've got these lovely cladding uh, or, or facades on them now, you know, they're wrapped in something that makes it look really pretty, you know, around the scaffolding. Is there any difference or, or view, do you think, or is, is it even a consideration around what it looks like? You know, is, is, is scaffolding just aesthetically more pleasing versus a mask climber or, or vice versa? I don't think it's more pleasing at all. Um, I don't think it looks nice in, in my eyes. Um, and then if you wrap it, as, as you've already pointed out, it takes out the daylight um, for, the, for, the, for the residents, which also means higher energy costs because you'll have the lights on in the house a lot mm. longer than what they normally do. So they'll be complaining about that, especially with the energy costs now. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't wrap it. I would only wrap um, one that has been. There's no one in it. Yeah, and I think we both agree. Wrapping a occupied building in monoflex is inhumane. It goes back to the the, the resident interview that the that I did. Uh, it kind of. I mean, it gave me a, a very social purpose to to my role um, because every time I drive past a tower box that is wrapped, particularly in scaffold. My heart goes out to those residents, considering the reason why the, the work needs done is they're already in that situation that their building needs the fire remediation, uh, remediation work. Yeah. And now we're adding those problems as an industry because we haven't looked for alternative solutions, potentially. Yeah, what about um, regulations or legal requirements? Is there anything that needs to be considered that might tip you one way mask climbers or the other way scaffolding is that is that ever a consideration i think they both come with the requirements and the main thing is keeping everyone safe and, and that's what they both do um 
there's not. I don't think there's one against the other. In my eyes, there's regulations out there which you, you need to keep to, um, and it's about keeping everyone safe and the public safe. So I think that. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, we, we regularly get asked, you know, up against railway lines, network rail, that side of things. There's regulations, there's forms yeah. to fill in to show it. But, uh, you know, to Marcus's point, both are more than capable of doing so. Um, you know, we, we've done, you know, alongside waterways, network rail, you know, many successful things where the space is very tight. So we use one of our smaller machines, um, you know, to get in there. We find network rail, like the fact there's less components, less to go wrong. So, you know, we, 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 we can do that well. Um, for one back in the in the scaffold camp, I'd say that potentially some inner areas, um, I know especially if it's asbestos removal or something like that, there is a need to then wrap a building yeah. to make sure that absolutely no debris you know can can come out. And the solutions that that we have developed, you know, wouldn't be considered like hundred percent enough if that if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But they're few and far between. Um, so it's I think. We recently joined the National Housing Federation um, to gain access to more housing associations and local councils for exactly this reason of trying to put this onto the uh, the agenda more of how much residents' needs are looked after um, because ultimately the client, i.e. the housing association or the landlord of that property, has no or has little say in my learnings and experience in how that gets done. So it is down to the contractor and their preferred method of access as opposed to having any legislation there that states you shouldn't wrap this building or you shouldn't obstruct sunlight or natural daylight for the residents and dot, dot, dot. Okay, so before we move on, don't forget, you can follow us on LinkedIn for As They Happen updates throughout the week. Just search for Intelligent FS and click follow. Or look out for the keywords cladding remediation, FRAW and golden thread. Working together to make Britain's buildings safe and sustainable. So starting to talk about some specifics on the projects. Um, what sort of projects are, are more suitable for mass climate? So sort of paint the picture of, you, you know, what does what does ideal look like? Um, and then if we can compare that to what we think ideal looks like from a scaffolding perspective, you know, as a salesperson, you're, you're out there, you, you know, look, looking for um, uh, specific jobs. What, what, what does good look like in terms of an ideal building? So I think the answer that I would be expected to give um, is your very square traditional tower block um, that doesn't have any protrusions, any balconies, anything like that. Um, there are still some of those around. Um, and they are very stereotypical, your mass climber uh, territory, if you like. Um, I think the myths that are being busted as we speak in the marketplace with some of the work that, that we're doing um, you know, in particular um, are when a balcony then sticks out. And as some people, their knowledge would be, well, that, that means I can no longer put this straight line platform up, so therefore it has to be scaffolded. And you know, as we're getting the message out there, that isn't the case. We have many different ways with um, extensions and wraparounds and things like that. Um, we can even do completely curved buildings if the need. So I think it then comes back to looking at the materials, looking at the the that particular location. Um, is it really? Is it a wind tunnel of a location? You know, mass climbers do have a wind speed that you then need to consider that actually that might be more advantageous to use scaffolding in that particular instance. But I think, you know, as I said, 85% of all buildings are suitable for mass climbers. But by being suitable for mass climbers, you are not excluding scaffolding from your sure, strategy sure, sure, sure. because you will need to put the scaffold gantry around the door. You'll need to provide the public protection, which is what the scaffolding does. Yeah. So I think, yeah, more and more people are now asking us, oh, could you do this one? And we look at them, yeah, not a problem. And, uh, you know, so it's demonstrating those kind of solutions that we've, that we've developed. I would look at, at the size of the materials that we're using first and the weight. As you say, if you've got a manoeuvre, um, I've been on jobs where they just said they're not using mass climbers, we're using scaffolds. And I've just said that's crazy because the panels are too big. The, 2.4 meter high and and they're, they're 1.2 meter wide on there mm -hmm. you got to put it around the cone you got to maneuver it around the scaffold i can guarantee it's going to get scratched and damaged um so in, in that case i, I would want to use mass climbs it, it's manual handling um it takes it saves all that 
um, it saves the damage. Um, it saves a lot. That's the first thing I would can can say that if it's smaller materials, this can be handled easier. Um, I would tend to go for scaffolding because it's easier, not easier, it's quicker yeah, to do. But that would be as soon as the material said it's a big panel, I go right. It's got to be my scans. So that's straight away. Um, obviously, as again, what you say, you still need the cash deck on, underneath uh, to be away from. So the scaffold will still always be being involved but that's the materials I'd be looking for I'd be looking at the size of the material before anything else and I think the height of the building as well is important Richard as well so from a, a commercial the what I call a direct comparison so get a scaffold quote directly compare that to a mass climber quote the break-even point is typically about five stories smaller savings then come in so mass climbers become more favorable at six stories and above Okay, um, so the much larger residential blocks out there, 18 stories, 19 stories, you'll see very significant savings on that direct comparison. Right. And the reason why I say direct comparison is the indirect element is then those intangibles, where depending on the project, because we can install it quicker and get you up and running quicker, we see that, that there's many advantages there of prelims being reduced because that job then actually moves quicker because you're starting quicker, you can finish quicker. And so is, is there a lot of maintenance involved in mass climbing then? So, and, and if so, is that included in, you know, you, you give your price, obviously you're doing that direct comparison. Um, is the maintenance of it? Because we're talking about 12 months, 24 months projects, right? They're, they're, they're long old projects. So um, is, is, there, is there a lot of maintenance um, involved in mass climbing versus scaffolding? So again, I'll, I'll speak directly from the mask climbing uh, element to say that, I mean, yes, we'd encourage you to, to go out and ask your mask climbing provider for how they maintain their, mach their machines. Um, so we've got a, a, a two sites, um, one in Leighton Buzz and one up in Manchester. Both have uh, meticulous processes. So whether a machine has been out on site for one day or one year, it goes through the same maintenance process of being fully stripped before and maintained before it goes then back out. So any parts that are replaced are all documented so we have a complete full service history, if you like, like you would yeah, with yeah, a car, yeah. um, on that machine before it then goes back out of sight. Um, what Marcus has already alluded to, training. So IPAF daily and weekly checks are done by the IPAF operator and demonstrator on site. But then what uh, the mass climbing provider should do is they should do uh, a six weekly check. So they will come to site and do a six weekly check. And there's then also a six monthly check where that one takes a little bit longer. We bring out weights to do load testing, um, et cetera, to reissue the Lola certificate you know, on that particular machine. So that's every six months. So if that project then goes on year, year and a half, that cycle of maintenance will then need to be included. But importantly from, you know, the other element of your, uh, your, your question, it's all included. Yeah. So if the estimate for the job is going to be 35 weeks, that um, 26 uh, weekly thorough inspection will be included in, in, in our, in our quote. Fantastic. Yeah, the art check, the art check weekly, daily, um, and you do go out. Um, yeah, that's just the standard. That's just the way they do it. It's the scaffold the same. You have scaffold inspections, but that's what they do. They come to, come to site. But on a bigger job, it would take you more than a day to walk around to sure. check every component. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's vital, isn't it? Okay, so if, if we're talking about um, success stories, so give, give us... I'm I'm quite interested to hear around success stories, challenges um, you face whilst uh, working on particularly that again the high-rise residential buildings um, for, from a mass climbing perspective. G give us you know a, an idea of what a really good project has has been like. You know, give us some particulars of of, of how that's been. So I think measuring a success is probably best looked at the customer profile within bft and what i mean by that is we have a lot of repeat business the first time they've used mass climbers they may have done so skeptically they may have heard about it somewhere else and thought hang on this is going to save money is it though let's give it a go and then with the consultative approach that we do to give that absolutely the best chance of being the right solution and working for them they then come back time and time again because they realize that they've just save time and money on that project fundamentally 
and potentially provided a far better solution for the residents for that particular client. So be it the, the housing association or, you know, the, the feedback they get, um, you know, is, is, is very positive, which helps them win more work. And that's been the privilege and the pleasure to work with some of our partners, um, you know, by getting involved with their tender stage and helping them with that representation of social value of that element to strengthen their their resolve and to, um, and increase their chances of winning that particular tender. Does that help? You know, yeah, to, absolutely. So I think it's that idea of rather than looking to, it's it is kind of looking at BFT's success to represent it. But it's using other people's successes to represent those stories, um, and I think you know that's certainly certainly how we look to to kind of continue, um, you know, growing as a business. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Anything in particular you wanted to pull out from a successful? Well, I think that to have a successful project as such would be for me to combine the both scaffold mass climbers, uh, which we do in on most jobs. And getting the job done correctly, safely, and on time. That's that's the that's just the success, and that's what we've done. I've done for for a long time, um, and I hope it continues. Fantastic. So we're, we're nearly there for this week. Before we go, I'm quite interested if you guys can share your opinions on the future of Access Solutions. All right. So uh, I, th I think we touched on earlier on that. Potentially, mask climb is still not adopted as the default in the first instance. You know, ask yourself why you wouldn't, not why you would. Um, and, and, and I think we're almost seeing that that is the default. It should be a case of, right, mask climbers should be the first option. And then we supplement with scaffolding. Um, that, that, that seems like that. I think we've, we've almost established that today. Um, what about new technologies, new innovations? You know, what's 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 coming down the line? Are we going to see, you know, workmen in drones flying them themselves up the side of buildings? I mean, you know, what 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 does the future look like for access? I think, from my point of view, I think the my experience in the construction industry so far has shown change is not always met with positivity. Um, and a lot of, um, you know, clients, customers out there, you know, that resistance to change. And for me as a kind of sales business development professional, it's kind of understanding what's then behind that. Is it personal risk? Is it company risk? And is it then kind of walking in through and handholding and showing how we mitigate that with the quality, with the maintenance, with those kind of things to, 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 to really help them understand that. Um, I think technology wise, um, yeah, you know, all, all our machinery, um, you know, we've, we've got very, very good relationships with the manufacturers. Um, and what pleases me the most is when you hear about a challenge from a customer on site um, saying, well, how would you overcome this? We haven't got a solution for it there and then. Um, and one example would be kind of enclosing the platforms you know, with the small gap down the side when you're removing render. So we developed a flap that went around the side for a customer, tried it. The first version wasn't completely um, the solution, but we went back with the manufacturer. The manufacturer then came up with that improved version and that, that kind of iterative um, innovation creates that success solution that you can then roll out to other customers to help them save money and, and, and do that side of things. Um, you know, we, we did an innovative um, uh, drop down steps onto balconies. So if you're doing any balcony repairs, the only two methods previously were full scaffold or going internally to every single flat, which is very intrusive for the residents, and then having to access that. And we all know operationally, if a resident's saying they're going to be available at 10 o'clock in the morning, they rarely are. And then that goes and has a knock-on effect for the program you know, sure. for the rest of the day. So that deployment, whenever I've shown that to people, has always got kind of a, wow, I didn't know that you could do that kind of star response. So for us, I think nothing fundamental, although I think drones um, will certainly play a huge part in um, inspections. That was very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, <laughs> but, 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 I, but I think, and listening to the, the, the previous podcast, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? If the mask climbers left the facade cleaner, freer, you know, more accessible, then why can't the drone technology there come in, you know, to one of Marcus's challenges on the inspection? I, I, I don't know, probably outside my um, kind of, uh, you know, skill zone there. Um, but certainly I think, yeah, innovations don't think that, I mean, a mask climbers are going to hover uh, any time soon, but do think that they 
as different kind of challenges with different shaped buildings with different things like that that's where the improvements you know will continue to come with mass climbers um you know as we always strive to to, to make them safer um and to make them better to work from to increase efficiencies to speed up you know the, the or, you know the, uh, the speed of work yeah. and the speed of the project yeah i've agree with you on that point i mean mass climbers over the past 15 years have come on loose and bounce new scaffold is the same as what it's been for a long time and there's not much more really you can do with the scaffold because you can you can do a lot of with the scaffold but there's not much more with the with the mass climbers they seem to be as you say you can curve buildings now you can come curve which is just a, a, a straight stick as such but now they're coming with and there's i've seen them now where you can use them there's a facility for you to climb out of them and go, go onto a balcony which you're going wow that's that's another one so there, there's there's more facilities and there'll be someone out there who's going to space it whether it's six meters they're going to go to 12 meters for some reason and there, there'll be some technology out there to make it less impact on the the building to have to be tied in as much for some reasons there'll be someone out there to come up with some some strange concoction to, to do something <laughs> else yeah you know, as, as our buildings continue to evolve, we, we, we have to kind of match that to, to make yeah. sure there's solutions um, so everyone is working safely. Super. Well, thank you, gents. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Many thanks to Rob Munns, Head of Sales for BFT Mask Climbing, and Marcus McCarthy, our Operations Manager, for being on the show, which was created and produced by Intelligent FS. Next week, Chris McKay. Director of Facades at CBRE will be joining us to unravel the golden thread. We'll be running back over the latest changes to the Building Safety Act and talking about what you need to do to ensure you remain compliant with it. If you enjoyed our podcast today and think it would be useful for someone else, do please leave us a rating on podchaser.com and together we really can make Britain's buildings safe and sustainable.